Good morning, New Life Midtown. How's everyone doing today? See, this is the faithful few that comes out. doesn't matter if it's rain or snow or shine or sleet or I appreciate you. I always say that the seeker gets the surprise. So for those who are willing to get out there and, and engage, even when it might be a little bit uncomfortable or inconvenient, I think God has something special for you. So I appreciate you coming out this morning. And uh, I appreciate you uh, being so handsome and beautiful and seeking God and creating an atmosphere of worship and praise. I don't know about you, but the worship team took it to another level this morning. Just charging the house and charging the environment. If you're new with us today for the first time, welcome you. I know that we have some folks that are new to Midtown, but not new to the New Life family. So we welcome you here at Midtown at the 11 o'clock service, and we bless you today. And, uh, and we pray that God meets with you in a really, really unique and powerful way. I'm flipping the script a little bit this morning. Last week, we prayed for the nation of Ukraine, the entire service. And I just want to say for those of you who are here, even those of you who are joining us online, thank you. Thank you for going there with us. We are a people of prayer. We are a people who carry the nations in our heart. And it's, it's so good to know that when you step out on a limb like that and risk a little bit, that your people got you, Right? And uh, man, you know, when I said we're going to pray and like the whole wall was lined up there and even if you didn't stand up and pray on the microphone, people in first and second service were just carrying the house and carrying the heart of God in the place of prayer. Today, I feel like there's a special assignment. There's a word that I feel is for us today. It's for us in this house. It's for those of us that are watching online. And it's a word about who Jesus is. Now, we've been on a series in the past seven weeks talking about who God is as Father. And now, today, we're turning a corner. We're going to be talking about who Jesus is as the Son. And for the next seven weeks, ending on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we're going to be talking a little bit more deeply about the character and the nature of Jesus. And then, I'm going to let you guess who we're going to be talking about the week after Easter. Come on, somebody! The Holy Ghost! And Everett, I appreciate that you said Holy Ghost. I asked the people in first service, how many of you are, are Holy Ghosters? Like, how many of you grew up, and it wasn't just the Holy Spirit, it was the Holy Ghost? Anybody in the house, Holy Ghost? Okay, great. A handful. I had a buddy of mine who was in, it was Chris Jackson, bless his soul, but he, we were talking, and I mentioned Holy Ghost, and he giggled, and he goes, do you say Holy Ghost? I said, absolutely. Bro, I'm straight up Pentecostal, man. How many of you are Holy Spirit? Like, growing up, it was Holy Spirit. How many of you, there was no spirit? Anybody in the house, no spirit? Hey, man, I appreciate your honesty. I had somebody came up to me after first service, and he goes, Pastor, I didn't raise my hand, but, but I was one of the no spirit people, right? And listen, we're glad you're here right now because the spirit's going to get you. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit the seven weeks after Resurrection Sunday, and that'll lead us right to the day of Pentecost. It's going to be lit. Am I allowed to say that? Can I say that? Am I, am I too old to say? It's going to be fire. It's going to be awesome, all right? So... Today, I've got 30 minutes to just inject something deep inside of you that is really a reminder. It's a reminder that is a prophetic word for this moment and for this hour on this absolutely essential cornerstone reality of who Jesus is. We're going to be talking about Jesus as the Prince of Peace today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Isaiah. We're going to start off in Isaiah chapter 9, and then I'm going to pray and we're going to hit the road running because there's a lot that needs to be imparted today. Holy Spirit of the living God, we welcome you into this place. We know that you're already here. But when we say we welcome you, we're saying that we know that you're here. 
And we're saying that we have an expectation for you to speak, for you to reveal, for you to pull back the curtain and show us truth. We believe, Holy Spirit, that you are here to impart something deep into our spirit that is going to anchor us and it's going to carry us. It's going to empower us. It's going to equip us for the hour of history that we're living in right now. This hasn't taken you by surprise. God, you know everything that we're facing and everything that we're carrying, and you have equipped us. You have outfitted us and resourced us with everything that we need for life and for godliness, for the victory of Jesus to be made known in the earth through our lives. So come, Holy Spirit, and minister to us today, we pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I got five points for you today, talking about who Jesus is as the Prince of Peace. Five realities of peace that God has given to us. And the first is this, friends, there is a person of peace. We find this in Isaiah chapter 9. Many of you recognize this verse from the Christmas story or the Christmas time. This is typically when we bring out Isaiah chapter 9 because in these verses, we find that there is a prophetic word that comes to the prophet Isaiah announcing the birth of the Savior. Read with me, if you would, in verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. I want you to think about this for a second. Like when you and I hear government, we've been programmed, most of us as Western Americans, and we immediately think about probably the United States government. But when, when Isaiah was speaking about the government of God, he was speaking about the authority and the responsibility. By the way, listen, Jesus holds the exclusive authority. The exclusive authority and the exclusive responsibility to hold the world together. Colossians chapter 1 says that in him all things are being held together. That Jesus is outfitted to be the government on this world like no other person is. Only he can shoulder the weight of responsibility to carry out the government of God in the earth. It means that he exclusively is the one who has been called and outfitted and sent and designed to rule and to reign in this world. This morning we were singing songs that, God, you are over it all. You are over it all. You are over sickness. You are over death itself. You are over irreconcilable differences and broken relationships. You are over poverty. You're over debt. You're over even our own selves. You're over uh, the, the, the ruts that we find ourselves in that find us at the same place over and over again. The sin cycles and the sin structures. Guys, listen, Jesus is over that. He's over. There is nothing in this world or in the heavens that Jesus himself is not over, which means that the extent of his rule and the extent of his work and the extent of his governing authority and governing wisdom covers every sphere of your life. It covers geopolitical conflicts. It covers pandemics. It covers war and famine because Jesus is over it all. Unto us, a son is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He can shoulder it, friends. He can carry it. But look right here in verse 7. Verse 7 says, oh, let, sorry, let's read verse 6. Let's read the end of verse 6. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and his name is Prince of Peace. 
which his name is a reflection, it's an indication of who he is. He rules in peace. Like the peace there, the, the prince of peace, being an indicator of the royal assignment to rule in the name and in the spirit of peace. Where there is chaos, where there is conflict, where there's disorder, where there's anxiety, where there's fear, where there's depression, the prince of peace has been given exclusive authority to step into that space and bring the rulership and the reign of God. And look at verse 7. It says, of the greatness of his government. Some translations say of the increase of his government. The ever-expanding brilliance and greatness and increase of his governing authority and of his governing wisdom. Listen, listen. There shall be no end. Of the greatness of his government and his peace, there will never be an end. There is no limitation to the governing authority, power, and wisdom of God to make right those things that are not right. So you might look throughout the, the scope of human history and you say, Pastor, I see a lot of injustices in the world. I have a lot of questions about people who didn't live out the full number of their days or sickness that has taken over people's body. And it, and it doesn't seem to me that God's reigning over this. But look at this verse right here. Of the increase and in the greatness of his government and peace, wholeness, well-being, there will never be an end. Which means that the government of God and the peace of God is extending out into eternity. And my promise to you by the word of God and by revelation of the spirit is that whatever is not made right in your life, that he has all of eternity to continue to work, to bring to justice those things that are unjust and to make whole those things that are broken and to restore those things that are lost because the greatness and the increase of his government and his peace will never end. Right? How do we find peace, friends? Number one, it's found in a person. It's found in the person of Jesus. And the statement that I want you to write down or think about is this, that peace is a byproduct of the reign of God. It's a byproduct. It's a fruit. So when you experience, when you say, and I say, when we say, let your kingdom come, right? Let the reign and the rule and the order and the wisdom of, of God, let it come and let your will be done. Right there in that place where the kingdom of God is, you know what you'll find? You will always find peace. You will always find the manifestation of peace where the revelation and the proclamation and the manifestation of God's kingdom is. The second place we find peace is not just in a person, but we find that there is a path of peace, that there is a way to live and a way of life that actually leads us to peace. And on that path, there is peace. Look at Luke chapter one. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 78, another Christmas verse, which is prayed by the man priest Zechariah, who's the father of John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist is born, many of us know the story that for nine months, Zechariah the priest couldn't open his mouth because he was struck mute by his unbelief. And when he was looking, holding his baby boy in his hand, immediately when he got into alignment with the prophetic word over his son's life, his mouth was open and he began to prophesy over his son's life and over the Savior's life. And here's what he says in Luke chapter 1, verse 76. And you, my child, I declare by as your father, inspired by God himself, that you will be a prophet of the Most High. And you're going to go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people 
the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. We've spent seven weeks talking about the tender mercy of our God. We've spent seven weeks digging into it, diving into the God who is slow to anger, the God of hesed, the God of unconditional loyal love. And now Zechariah is pulling on the, the, the faithful witness of who God's character is. And now he's announcing this over John and over Jesus. And he's declaring that the tender mercy of our God is what actually caused God to send Jesus into the earth by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. And what is this rising sun going to do? When God sends his son to be the light that pierces and penetrates the darkness of humanity and sin and the principalities of wickedness and evil in the world, what does this son do? It says it right here in verse 79. Jesus has been sent to shine on those living in darkness. There have been moments in your life where you've felt that I'm living in the disorientation of darkness. I'm living in and under the depression of darkness. I can't see my way out. I feel utterly hopeless and helpless. I feel under the cloud of despair. Friends, I'm here to announce to you today, Jesus was sent to be the rising son of God. He was sent to be a light that breaks through that darkness. When you find yourself in a situation and you feel like there's no way out and there's no hope, I'm here to announce to you by the word of God that Jesus has been sent to be a light that pierces that darkness of despair and hopelessness and confusion and disorientation and being stuck and falling back into the cycles of sin and shame and guilt and fear and passivity and lethargy. May that be broken in the name of Jesus. Because the light of God has been sent to us to shine on those living in the land of death and under the shadow of darkness. Watch this, watch this. To guide your feet. To guide your feet. To guide your feet. To guide your decisions. To set your foot on a right path. And what path is that? It's the path of peace. It's the path that keeps your mind in perfect peace. Friends, there is a path of peace. Now, when you hear the word path, I immediately think of all the trails that I've hiked. A couple of days ago, I was fortunate enough to take advantage of one of the last few days of sun that we had before we walked into this week, right? You got you to you be strategic, y'all, in Colorado Springs. You got to look ahead. You got to jump on that 10-day forecast. And, man, if it's above 45 degrees and there's a little sun on there, get outside, right? And I found myself on a path that I had not been on before. I jumped on all trails. I tried to find a path up at Palmer Lake I haven't been to before. It was covered with snow. And I jumped out on this trail, and I just took it slowly. And I was walking around, taking in everything. And on my way back, I, 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 I kind of lost my way. There was a trail that I, I had forgotten where the trail had started, where the parking lot was. And this sweet lady walked up next to me, and she said, you're trying to find your car, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so she actually had me go back probably about 150 yards. She says, if you go back up to there, you'll find this little ridge, and then you just drop down, and it'll take you right to your car. There is a path that leads us to the place of peace. It is a well-worn, well-traveled, well-known path established by Jesus himself. He's been on that path because he's the one who establishes that path. 
Figuratively in the scriptures, particularly when you look in the book of Proverbs and the book of Psalms, the idea of path speaks to a course of life. It speaks to a consistent pattern of decisions. We're not talking about one decision. One decision in your life doesn't set you on a particular path. All right, so you come in here and you say, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to, I'm going to be a worshiper. And you come in and you worship in one song that you're not on the path of worship. Right? You come in here and, and, and Sidron you know, encourages us to be a people of faith and generosity and giving. Well, listen, you step out there and you, you give the tithe or you give an offering or you give the first fruit one time. That's not the path of generosity. But what happens is, is over the course of time, when you feel it and when you don't feel it, right? When, when you see the result of it and when you don't see the result of it. I can't tell you when breakthrough is going to come. I can't tell you when the turnaround is going to happen. But I can tell you that if you'll stay on the path, then you'll see the fruit of the destination and the manifestation of that path that you're on. The Bible talks about paths a lot. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 4, if you'll look with me at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18, the scripture says that the path of the righteous is like the morning sun. Just think about that. That when you choose to live your life according to what God defines as right, not what you and I define as right, when you choose to live your life as God defines what is right, you will find that the path before you will gleam like the morning sun. There's light. There's illumination. There's understanding. There's security. There's confidence. Shining ever brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked, the choices of the wicked, the consistent pattern of choices that the wicked make, watch this. It's like deep darkness, and they do not even know what makes them stumble. Here's another verse in Psalm 16, verse 11. The scripture says that you make known to me the path of life, and you fill me with joy at your right hand. Right? God's good desire, listen, listen, church, it is God's will to teach you and to show you what the path of life is. He's not holding that back from you. Okay? It's not, it's not a code to be cracked. He's not trying to trick you. Like, it is God's good pleasure to show you the way that leads to life for you and your family and future generations. In fact, we could say it another way, and I want you to really get this in your spirit. It is the will of God for you to walk in the peace of God. It's God's will for you. It's God's established and revealed desire for his children to walk in the fullness of God's perfect peace. Now, there can be no peace outside of obedience to God. It's impossible, right? Because I want, you to, I want you to think about the connection of these things. We established that peace comes where the rule and the reign and the government of God is. Government reflects or it implies law. It implies order. It implies that God says there is a way for you to follow. So when we follow that in obedience, we find that we're in the government of God and when we're in the government of God, there in that place, God brings his peace. So you and I can't choose to try to live life our own way and look to all the superficial and shallow solutions to our anxiety and expect that there's going to be a peace. It might come, there might be a, a, a sense of peace. There might be a temporary experience of peace, but it's not the deep, lasting, abiding fortress of peace that God has made known to us. The third element of peace that we discover is that there's a person of peace. His name is Jesus. There's a path of peace. It's called obedience. And there's a presence of peace. Turn with me to the book of John chapter 14. 
In John 14, 15, and 16, we find that Jesus is sharing some intimate revelation with his disciples on the eve of his crucifixion and death. And it's in this space, it's, it's around the table. John 13 begins with Jesus washing his disciples' feet. They move into the Passover meal. They're about to go out to the garden and pray. But before they do that, he has this exclusive, in-depth moment where he's teaching them about the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Join me, if you would, here at verse 16, where Jesus says in John chapter 14, he says, I will ask the Father, and the Father's going to give you another advocate, someone who will advocate for you, someone who is on your side as an emissary and an ambassador from God himself, someone who is going to fight your battles with you, someone who is going to speak and reveal the heart and the wisdom of God to you and for you. Someone who is going to help pull you when you find yourself on the wrong path, which would take you into who knows how far I would have went. Someone who will come alongside you and say, hey, I, I think you're looking for the trail back to your car so you can get home on time. It's actually this way. There's an advocate that the Father is sending to you when you find you've lost your way on the trail of life, right? And who is that person? It's the Holy Spirit. He will send you another advocate who will help you and who will be with you. Forever, the Holy Spirit poured out from God himself has been assigned to you forever. Like he will never leave you. The presence of God is always with you, friend. Now let's just keep reading in verse 17. Who is the spirit? He's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit who will help you to discern what is right and what's wrong. He's the spirit who will cut through deception. He's the spirit who will, who will help you discern when the enemy is putting substitutes and counterfeits in your path. He's the spirit who will say, this is the right way, son, walk in it. This is the right way, daughter, walk this way, go this way. That right there is a trap and a snare of the enemy. He's trying, they're lying to you. The Holy Spirit will help you discern that. Because truth is a pathway to peace. Right, The advocate who is the spirit of truth. The world can't see him. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. You know the Holy Spirit. Why? How do we know the Holy Spirit, Jesus? Because he's been with you this whole time that I've been with you. The scripture tells us in John chapter 3 that when Jesus was baptized, that God sent the Holy Spirit. And I love the uniqueness of how John says it. It says that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and remained. The fullness of the Holy Spirit, it, it remained on Jesus. So we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity right there, the fullness of the Godhead. And Jesus understood this. He says, guys, listen, as long as I'm here in my physical body, I got, I'm going to have all the Holy Ghost. I, like The Holy Ghost and I are one. So as long as I'm here, you can't have him. He can be with you, but he can't be in you. And he can't be on you because he's in me. And he's on me in his fullness. So guys, I've got to go. And when I go, something miraculous is going to happen. What was once upon one human being is now going to be poured out on all flesh. And the way that I walked in divine communion and divine connection with the Father himself, you have access to that. And the way that I rebuke sickness, you can do that. And the way that I raise the dead, you can do that. And the way that I cast out devils, you can do that. Why? Because the presence 
of the peace of God that is in me and upon me is going to be given to you. Look at the next verse right here in John chapter 16, verse 26. He's still talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, the advocate, the comforter, the helper, the paraclete, the one who's been called to walk right next to you forever, friends. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Little little clue here. Whenever you see the word send in the scriptures, it's always referring to authority. Always. And you will see it all throughout the Gospels. You'll see it in the book of Acts. This is where I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent here. But you'll see the difference between those who are sent and those who went. Right? The went ones are people who go out on their own authority. I'm ready. I've gone through my own process. I know how to do this. Right? Those are went ones. The sent ones are ones who stay under the governing authority of God. And they're saying, I trust you to tell me when I'm ready. Like, there's a lot of things I think I'm ready for, right? But if I'm a submitted one, it means I'm one under authority, and you cannot walk in authority unless you're under authority, right? And so the Holy Spirit is under the authority of God. And so the Holy Spirit comes upon humanity under the representative authority of God sending the Holy Spirit to you and I. He's been authorized to give you everything that the Father has made available to you. The Holy Spirit has the authority to bring you before God and bring God to you. He has the legal right to access the resources of heaven on your behalf because the Holy Spirit is under authority and he's been sent to you, right? Keep reading right here. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will authorize or send in my name, he's going to teach you everything that I've taught you. Now, thank God for that. But sometimes I wish that the promise was he's going to teach you all the math that you didn't pay attention to in class. So he'll just remind you of all things. But in college, I was doing that. Oh, I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to pray that by osmosis, Lord, I was in the room. I wasn't paying attention, but I'm praying that you're going to bring. It don't work like that, son. Okay? It don't work like that. Okay? He's going to remind you of everything I've said to you. Now, here's, here's the greatest verse of this entire message. Jesus says, I'm leaving you with something. I'm going, but I'm leaving you with something, and I'm leaving you with peace. Peace I leave with you. Friends, you, we have to get a revelation of this. Right. Of all the things that Jesus said he could, I think about this. He could have said anything right here. He could have said anything. On the eve of his death, he could have filled in the blank right here in this moment. I'm giving you my spirit, but then he goes and he says, the revelation and the manifestation of my spirit dwelling in you is peace. It's peace. Peace I leave with you. And then he says this, my peace, not the world's peace, not a shadow peace, not a shallow peace, not a counterfeit peace, not a temporary peace, not a peace that we feel only when everything seems to be going our way. Right in the middle of wars and the outbreak of the rumors of wars, the money's not coming in, I'm giving you something that's going to stabilize you and it's going to hold you. It's going to be an anchor in your life. What is that? It is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it like this. The Holy Spirit is your peace. So what do you do when you feel like life is overwhelming you and anxiety is knocking on your door? First of all, if anxiety is knocking on your door, don't open the door. Uh, Right? If if anxiety is trying to get you to to entertain those thoughts, then you just say, in the name of Jesus, you are not welcome into my home. 
Why? Because my home is full of the peace of God. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in me, which means that peace itself, the eternal substantive nature of peace is in you, friends. You can access that. You can draw on it. But listen to Jesus' language. My peace I give you. Like anything else in the kingdom, like anything else in the economy of the kingdom, Whatever God offers, it's not automatic. You have to receive it. You have to say, by faith and obedience, I lay a hold of what you have given to me. And Jesus, if you're saying that you have given me your peace, then I receive, I take it. You need to lay hold of that peace. And you need to fight for that peace. And you need to possess that peace. And you need to say, God, the same peace that Jesus walked in and worked through that peace, that exact same peace, it's mine. And I'm not giving it up. And I'm stewarding it and I'm holding on to it. So there is a person of peace. His name is Jesus. There is a path of peace. It is obedience to the ways of God. There is a presence of peace, which is the Holy Spirit in your life. And friend, I want you to know today that all of this has been made available because there is a price of peace. There is a price. Right? This isn't arbitrary. This wasn't coincidental. God went through, he went through great lengths to allow you and I to live in the perfect peace that he's made available. Look with me at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Isaiah 53, verse 4 says, Surely Jesus took up our pain. Surely, without a doubt, he bore our suffering, the suffering that was destined for our lives. And yet, we considered him punished by God. We assumed that he deserved this. We assume he was stricken by him and afflicted by God, and, and you probably deserved that. But look right here in verse 5. It says, no, he was pierced for our transgressions. In other words, that we deserved everything that Jesus experienced at the cross and in the moments that led up to the cross. That, that was reserved for you and for me and for all of humanity. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. Our sins, our violation, our rebellion, our disobedience. He stood in our place and he took that. And here's the linchpin verse right here. The punishment, the penalty, the consequences that brought you and I peace was on him. The punishment that brought us peace. If you look at different translations there, some words will say the punishment or the cost for our wholeness. The cost for your well-being was put on him. Friends, this, this wasn't, again, there are so many kind of self-care and self-help things that are out there. We just, we need a little bit more me time. We, we need to go out there and enjoy some sunshine, get some vitamin D, get a couple more massages, get your Massage Envy subscription, get your lavender oils, take longer. I mean, listen, I'm not against, I love all of those things, right? Sign me up. But I'm here to tell you right now that there is a peace that can only be found in God. There is a peace that can only be found in God. And for most of us, as we take inventory of our lives, I want you to think about all the paths, all the counterfeit places where you've tried to find peace. Some of us have tried to find peace in alcohol. Some of us have tried to find peace in illicit sexuality. Some of us have tried to find peace just in just friendships. I mean, I just need more friends. I just need to hang out. And I'm here to tell you that there's, there's an element of, 
of peace and fulfillment that comes in these various places, but there is a peace that is substantial that can only be found in your union with Christ. And the death of Jesus has made that available for you. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, if you have your Bible. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Scripture tells us that the fullness of the deity was placed on Jesus. For God was pleased to have all of the fullness of divinity living and dwelling and abiding within Jesus. And it says, and through Jesus, the plan was, I'm going to reconcile back to God everything that is far from God. And by everything, we're talking about the very earth itself, right? There's things that are happening in the heavens, rulers and powers and principalities and authorities that are obviously at enmity with God. The cross of Jesus came to reconcile even the created order in the heavens and in the earth, and obviously our lives as individuals. And this is what he says right here. He says, how did God make reconciliation? By making peace through his blood. Friends, there is a price for peace, and it has been paid by the life and by the death and by the resurrection of Jesus. I have one more point, but I want to save this for the table. And what I want to do right now is, as Jonathan has come forward is I, I want us to kind of just sit in this prophetic proclamation today. I sense that the Lord is standing over you, friends, and he is saying peace to you. He is saying that the anxiety and the fear and the uncertainty and the confusion of your life that has tried to grip you and paralyze you, he is saying, I want to speak peace to those things. And here's what I feel like the response is, that anything in your life right now that is contending for the peace of God, identify it in the presence of the Lord, name it, name it. Just say it out loud or write it down. God, this has been fighting for my emotions. This has been dominating my thinking. This has been keeping me up late at night or waking me up early in the morning. This, this is ruling. This is ruling my interior space. Name that thing. Hold that out. And what we're going to do is Jonathan sings this song. We're going to declare that God's over that. We're going to declare that God's greater than that. We're going to declare that he's more powerful than that. And that his peace will step into those spaces and establish the kingdom of God and the presence of God and the rule of God right in that very thing that is trying to steal the peace of God from you. Let's worship here for a minute. We'll come to the table. The Lord is our light. The Lord is our light and salvation. Why should we retreat? The Lord is our strength.
today in person or if you're online joining us. I want to remind you, Isaiah 53 says that the punishment that bought our peace was placed upon him. Right after that, this is what he says. He says, by his stripes, you are healed. And I want to pray over you today. If you have sickness or if you have something that has been attacking your body, I want to pray today that the peace of God would come in even upon your physical body. Some of you have been suffering from headaches, migraines. They've been debilitating. They've been taking you out. They've been a massive inconvenience. And I want to pray today that Jesus' body, which took upon himself suffering, 
that it has purchased for you peace in your mind. I'm even believing that for some of you, like nagging ailments in your neck and in your upper shoulders and in your lower back, that those nagging ailments, that the peace of God is going to touch those things. Some of you, even sciatica, there's been just, just naggering, uh, na- nagging, triggering uh, pain that has been happening in your lower hamstrings and in your lower back. And I'm declaring to you today, the peace of God, come and touch that in the name of Jesus. So crush this wafer in your hand. And as you do, be reminded that Jesus himself was crushed, that his very physical body was crushed so that you could experience wholeness in your body and in your mind and in your emotions and in your spirit. The body of Christ, friends, has been broken for you. Take and eat. as we come to this cup, I want to declare to you, friends, your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been absolved. They've been dealt with. They've been confronted and they've been overcome by the blood of Jesus. How does Jesus make reconciliation? By the shedding of his blood on the cross. You're not guilty. There's no need for shame. Don't partner with shame anymore. Don't partner with fear. Hold your head up high. The blood of Jesus has absolved you of every sin cycle and every sin structure that has gone back generations. It is more powerful than you can imagine. So today I announce to you the peace that comes with freedom in Jesus' name. Let us receive. Hang over there because the presence of peace lives within me. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you what's going on that can keep you in the midst of every storm So friends, let me pray you out today because you are assigned to take peace into chaotic places. As you hold your hands out, I declare over you that the God of peace, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. No weapon of the enemy formed against you shall prosper. That the peace of the Lord shall be your rear guard. That the scripture says that he will keep those in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on him. Lord, your word says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything. As I send you into your week today, I pray that you would not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, through prayer and petition, you would make your request known to God in the spirit of thanksgiving and the peace of God, which passes all normal human understanding. It's going to stand right at the edge of your imagination and it's going to do warfare for you. It's going to protect you. The peace of God will keep you this week and it will be a witness for you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's sing a song of thanksgiving to the Lord. Thank you, God. God, we receive it today. We believe it and we receive it.